The Frituals, written and performed by author Caitlin Costello. Chapter 12. Tetra. Tetra glances over her shoulder, pleased to see that her sister has already disappeared into the false night. Shauna has always been good at that. Tetra thuds through the forest, careful to grab branches and pull them back as she runs, so they snap back against the others. The branches reach out and grab at the sheer material of her dress. The bark turns her hands red as she slips on one large branch. It snaps back, clawing her in the face. Damn it! She crouches low to the ground to get away, the finger-like twigs dragging several red lines across her face. Shauna, this better be worth it, she thinks, crawling, kicking logs out of the way. Tetra pauses under one tree and reaches down to the bottom of the dress. Gripping the hem of the fabric, she rips it from the hem to her thigh. Hopefully, she'd be able to move a bit more freely now. Her knee hurts. She parts the fabric, letting the swollen and bruised skin pop out. It's starting to become stiff. Each time she moves it, it feels like little needles are spreading out from her knee. Then there's the bruising. The fall hadn't hurt that much in the moment, but then again, she had been trying to run away from an elf who is possessed by dark magic. She probably just didn't notice. Now the bruising is spreading all around her kneecap, distorted by the swelling. She shifts her weight to her hands and works her way back up into a standing position, groaning as she puts pressure on her leg. Let's go, she tells herself, clenching her teeth against the hot pain as she takes a few steps. I need to move. Stopping makes it stiffer. She can see the tall spires of the castle between the trees. One tower toward the west doesn't look like the gleaming marble beauty it had been the day before. Now it stands sentinel in a seething black fog. It steams out, spinning its arms, reaching farther and farther out over the city, covering it in a blanket of darkness. Her heart pounds faster as one particular cloud of black smoke lifts away from the growing mass. She watches, feeling the air around her grow cold, the plants shriveling in a sudden frost. Tetra crouches low again, sticks and rocks digging into her hands, prickling into her feet. When had she lost her left shoe? It doesn't matter now. The black cloud is shrinking, morphing into something else, growing ever closer. She takes a deep breath trying to fill her lungs and soothe her pounding heart. What is that thing? She glances around as the dark shadows around her grow deeper and deeper, their contents becoming less clear. This is fine. We are fine. It's just dark magic. Who cares, right? She says, trying to talk herself down, but her voice cracks, the sound stark against the silence that hangs around her. I am Shauna Flynn, Tetra whispers drawing the darkness closer to her. I am a Fritual. I am Shauna Flynn. They will want me alive, right? She glances up at the magic. It's like a predator, stalking her through the trees. Stories from her childhood ring loud in her head. Elves angry at the race of man, killing them for sport, raising the land with black fire. 
Were all of these stories just dark ones masquerading as good elves? Like Damien, who'd been hiding as a dark one for years and years. She hears a hissing noise as the dark magic comes closer. Her heart is like a jackrabbit's, pounding a thousand beats per minute. I can't stay here. I can't stay here, she repeats into the darkness. She jumps to her feet, wincing as she comes back down on her knee. She crashes through the trees, moving as quickly and loudly as she can. The magic knows where she is. She doesn't understand how it can track her, but every time she glances over her shoulder, she sees it right there on her tail. Tatra wants them to find her. Just wait until they do. They will be in for a surprise. Run, Shauna, run! Get away from here! She wills to her sister. It isn't long before she's out of breath and stumbling more than running. Her knee is getting so stiff. She pauses for half a second and picks up a large branch, using it to help support her weight. She knows it won't be much longer until they catch her. The dark hissing noise grows louder and louder. Come to us. We will bring you no harm. Come now. Your family will be safe. Never! She shouts and hobbles faster. The voices close in more and more as she slows down. She stumbles onto a game trail and decides this is where she should take her stand. She swings the branch and it passes straight through the shifting magic like mist. It feels oddly warm as it creeps up her arm across her skin. She smacks at it, turning her skin red. Get off me! She snaps, swinging the branch again, not realizing how close she is, she strikes a tree. A buzzing pain runs up her arms, numbing her hands. Come with us, it hisses again, loud in her ears, blocking out every other sound. She tries to hold her breath as it wraps up around her head. It makes her dizzy. The world is flashing from light to dark. She falls to her knees, but she doesn't feel the pain this time. She makes it out of the smoke cloud for a second before it drops on her, pressing it in her nose and mouth. The smoke clears for a moment, and Damien steps through the swirling tendrils. Tatra's eyes widen in fear. This man is dead. She killed him. His black shirt gapes in the front, and she catches a glimpse of a hole in his chest and neck where she had stabbed him. She manages a weak, Run, Shauna! before all is smoke and blackness. Chapter 13, Shauna. I sneak through the shadows created by the Dark One's magic, moving in a direction I hope is away from danger. My mind is on a looped track, repeating the same questions over and over. Is Tatra okay? Is father okay? What will Moraine do? Can I ever come home? How long will I be safe? I heard when it caught Tatra. The thing that thought it was hunting me through the woods. With the noise she was making, it didn't take long to find her. I know she was trying to get caught. I know she would kill me if I even took one step back towards the castle but I still wanted to turn back and help her. She tried to fight, but they quickly overtook her. I heard her fighting, then the silence. 
I didn't even hear them pursuing her. Only silence. That's what pushed me on. I had no way of knowing how close they or it was to me. Now I'm on my own. They have to know she wasn't the one that they were looking for. So the hunt for me is on. My limbs feel like sacks of grain hanging off me. I just want to stop. But if I do, I'm done for. I don't know how far into the forest I am. Or where exactly to turn. I used to go into the woods on my side of the lake all the time. But I had no reason to ever be on the side of the lake. Philippe used to sneak into our barn and angle himself so he could reflect light off of a mirror and into my room. Some days, Tatra would notice it and would tear the place apart looking for its source. It would take me a bit, but once I had distracted her, I would sneak out and meet him outside. We always had a good laugh about it. But we were always back before sunset. I had heard the stories, of course. Shauna, you have a wild imagination, Philippe said when I had asked him. But he had heard the stories, too. He carried his knife the next time we went out. The forest behind my house was young, soft and comforting. This one is the opposite. The trees are closer together, the shadows deeper. I move in the shadows, using them to hide from whatever prying eyes may watch my movements. But I long to be free of the shadows that make my skin crawl. I can't imagine how dark it must be to any normal human, because even now I know I am different. It must have been so dark for Tetra. This red dress of hers is all I have to remind me of my family. Drenched in sweat, torn and muddy. If she ever saw what I had done to her favorite dress, Tetra would kill me herself. An owl hoots near me and I nearly jump out of my skin. It has grown dark enough to confuse the creatures of the night. When I see the moon illuminating the sky, I know I have finally crossed out of the dark magic. I'm exhausted. The cuts on my ankles have stopped bleeding, but still sting. My face feels raw from wiping the sweat off of my face. And the hand holding my knife is cramped up again. Slowly, I move in a direction that I hope is a straight line. The trees around me begin to thin. I have to stop somewhere, I murmur to myself. My chest hurts from moving fast and breathing hard. Looking far ahead, I can see the edge of the woods. Beyond is a vast open plain of tall grass and wild flowers. I can't cross a plain now. It's too open, and I am too tired. I lean against a tree, trying to get a small amount of strength to get a safe place to sleep. I push off a tree and feel a few new scrapes get added to my hands. I find a small clearing with a tree at the center, its branches reaching to the sky. Another tree has fallen on it, and over time the two have formed a small alcove. For some reason, seeing all the branches and roots weaving together makes me feel more comfortable and safe. I collapse just in front of the opening. I lie down, pressing my flushed face to the soft, cool dirt. I lay there, savoring the moments of peace when I hear someone approaching. Fear clutches my heart anew. 
They found me. They found me. They found me. My thoughts scream at me. As quietly as I can, I shove the bag behind me and tuck myself in with it. I wipe my hands of the sweat collecting on my palms, gripping the dagger hard. I pull the hood of my cloak high to hide my face and close my eyes, praying they can't see me. If I can't see them, they can't see me, right? Is this it? Is this the end? I can't help thinking. I'm sorry, Maureen. I tried to get away, but I am going to fight. I'm not going to go down without a fight. The voice calls something out in Elvin. I try to translate, but in my panic, all the words I know are gone. Who's there? They call again, this time in the language of man. His voice is from the edge of the clearing. My body tenses in fear, but I don't reply. I know you were there, so you might as well come out. The voice is closer this time. Come on now. I won't hurt you. What are you running away from? Again, I don't respond. I don't dare uncover my face. Tatra said she could see it. All right. You asked for it. Black Karatsas. The voice says something I don't understand in Elven. Then I'm moving. The roots that had protected me are moving away, filling the air around me with soft moonlight. I snap my eyes open when a vine suddenly wraps itself around my ankle, dragging me out further into the clearing. I hack at it with the dagger, but another root comes and pulls my hand above my head. I twist my wrist, trying to cut at the root. I watch helplessly as my bag zooms across the woods. Vines are inching up my legs around my waist, hoisting me into the air. I twist and begin to bite desperately at one. But then one is around my neck, turning my head forward. The thin vine crawls up my face, entangling themselves into my hair, holding me still. I want nothing more than to scream, but if this isn't a dark one, then it would alert them to where I am. Just when I think I'm going to pass out from the lack of air, and my sight grows fuzzy, the voice says, Motivitica. And the vines around my neck loosen and fall away. A single vine comes up and pushes the hood from my face. An elf comes through the trees. In his hand is my book. My ritual book. His face is like mine, but the lines are harsher, like mountains and rocks, or the claw of a bear, slim vines wrapping it all, glowing in a deep forest green. The green glowing marks coming off his skin are just like the blue glow that comes off of my own. I cough and hack as I'm lowered to the ground, where my legs give out, sending me wheezing and lightheaded to the dirt. Who are you? I wheezed, clutching my throat and coughing. A friend. Come on, we need to move. He hauls me to my feet and hands me back my stuff. Friend, I wheeze. The friends I know don't try to kill me. I say, grabbing my knife off the ground. My world tilts and he grabs my arm. I jump and swing the knife at his hand, but a vine comes up and catches my hand. Look, they're close. We need to get into hiding. Better than your idea of hiding, at least. I glare at him, hiding my fear. Tay always hides behind a wall of fiery rebuttals. Why shouldn't I? But I follow him, clutching the bag to my chest and holding the blade out in front of me. He leads me to a tree stump, glances around him before muttering something, and the roots move, opening and stretching, revealing a hole and a ladder. I follow him down, and the roots close up around my head, concealing us completely. 
I turn in wonder at the perfect little cave he has here. It has to be 20 feet in diameter. A small fire crackles in the center, and the smell of roasting meat makes my mouth water. Only then do I realize how hungry I am. He goes to the fire and turns the food on the spit. Are you hungry? He asks, not trying to make me do anything, as I stand close to the exit of the tree cave. I feel equal parts safe and like a caged animal. Um, yes, but I have food if it would, I stammer. Here, he says, handing me the stick. Careful, you don't want to burn yourself. He holds the stick out to me and grins as I tentatively grab it before tearing into the meat. Thanks, I say, through a mouthful of food. You're welcome. I guess I owe you after, you know, almost choking me to death, dragging me out of hiding. I snap, my head still pounded from the lack of air. The headache would probably last the night. Well, yeah. He sounds genuinely ashamed of doing that. I really am sorry, but I couldn't be sure that you weren't the enemy. You had your face covered and all, so I couldn't tell whether or not you were a dark one. But then, the book. He pauses, slowing the avalanche of words with a breath. I am Paulo, he says, putting out a hand. I guess that you would know who I am, now at least. I am a fritual. I am the fritual ca apieto, the earth fritual. I nod, shaking his hand. I understand, just a little shocked and worn out. My name is Shauna. I am the ritual Ka'aka. That is, that, that is water. I, I just, would discover be the right word? Well, I just discovered last night. It has been the longest day of my life. That was for sure. I know I have to trust him. He is in the same boat. So I explained everything that has happened in the last 24 hours. I honestly can't believe that I found someone this fast. Well, you found me, I guess. But you know what I mean. I'm surprised too. I've been here for about three months now. And nobody knew you were here? No. There's a spell I put in this area that makes it look like a two-year-old sapling to anyone who I don't bring in. The Dark Ones have started to gather in the plain about a half mile from here. I couldn't figure out why. Now I know. He pauses, looking at me for a moment, then to his hands. I'm sorry about what just happened out there. I want to tell you what happened to me so you can trust me. I nod and sit down near the fire, trying to relax as Paulo's words flow over me. I took my test again two years ago. I was, as you said, discovered. I took it when I was a hundred, like all elves, but some things started to happen, so I was asked to take it again. I was lucky in the fact that they took a little longer for the Dark Ones to infiltrate our castle. The king told me with his last dying breaths to go into hiding. There wasn't anything left for me. When I wouldn't come out of hiding, they killed my brother, the only family I had left. He pauses, thinking of it before going on. I never thought to look for the others because I didn't hear anything about other rituals. I think the Dark Ones are putting out false reports. The last I heard was that Gradatia was doing amazing in trade, I say, but even as the words escape my lips, I can hear the lies in them. He laughed humorously. 
Oh, I wish I could tell you that that was the truth. The city has never been in more danger than now. Sickness and starvation are everywhere. The dark ones killed all the crops we harvested and burned all the fields. I'm surprised that some of the other kingdoms haven't heard yet. I guess it is too early in the season for food shortages. Anyway, I stayed around for a year. I was helping and trying to get the crops to grow, but I was almost caught too many times, so I had to leave. The pain in his voice is palpable. He felt like he had given up on his people. Well, we are both alone. Can we be alone together? Maybe you'll help me restore our people and our cities? I offer, putting the now-empty skewer at my side. The statement sounds so bright and grand, inspirational even. But here we are, sitting alone and scared in a magic tree cave. I will gladly help you bring them down, he says resolutely. Only thing is, we can't do this with just the two of us, you know. Oh no, our first task is to find the other rituals and to train. Then, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I say, hearing the echo of Marine's words in them. While we're here, do you want to tell me about home? Never heard anything about the plateau besides that it was a beautiful place. He spent a second thinking. Well, a more beautiful place I've never seen. Sweeping green fields, waist-high wildflowers in every color you can think of. The sun would shine through the stained glass window, painting an array of colors all over the floor. The king's throne wasn't made out of precious metals or gold, but it was made of the king's favorite wood. It was a solid piece of maple that a master carpenter made during the first four years of the king's reign. In the end, it didn't look like a throne, but a mass of vines. But looks can be deceiving. His eyes clouded over as he thought about his past. We held my ceremony there. There wasn't a place to move, the room was so packed. And I was so nervous. I didn't know what to expect, but it was beautiful. I was called to the stage, they named me the one. And there's a cheer. I'd never felt prouder in my life. Behind the throne, there was a large stained glass window depicting scenes from nature. They had me recite the words in the elven tongue, and the sun shone through the window casting its rays onto my face. Where the light touched, this formed. He pauses and points to the marks on his face. Then sadness falls like a veil over him. Then, a few weeks later, just as I was starting to get good at training, the king's head guard stabbed him in his sleep, then came to my chambers. The rest you already know. I ran, I hid, I ended up here, then you found me. Your ceremony was so different from mine. I say in shock, picturing the lines on his face, and like Moraine's soft fingers tracing my skin. Soon after we finish eating, we head to bed. I'm exhausted from my flight and the events at the palace, so it doesn't take long for me to fall to sleep. Hi everyone, I wanted to pop in and let you know, until all the stars are found, my newest book is now available for pre-order. This young adult science fiction novel will be published on March 6th, 2021. Click the link in the show notes to see where you can pick up the book today.
Hi everybody, this is Caitlin Costello, the author and narrator of The Frituals. If you've enjoyed this podcast so far, please leave a review or rating where you listened. It really helps to get the podcast in front of more people. If you can't possibly wait for another episode of The Frituals, fear not, because the full audiobook is now available. A slew of stores, including Google Play, Apple, Highbooks, Scribd, Chirp, Kobo, Walmart, Audiobooks.com, and Nook Audiobooks, and it's being added to more stores every single day. It's also available at your local library, so if you request it from your library, they should be able to get it into their system. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. This has been a production of The Frituals, written and performed by Caitlin Costello. Text copyright 2018 to Caitlin Costello. Production copyright 2020, Caitlin Costello.